Peace. This is the Ask Your Old Head Podcast with Justice Raji. I'm here with my guest, Brandon Lee. Peace, Brandon. Peace to you. Great to be here. All right. Thanks How you feeling? Oh, you're welcome. Glad to have you. For sure. Cool. So uh, we'll just get started. I'd always like to give you a chance to get some reverence and respect to mm. somebody you want to get some reverence and respect to before we get started. This week, I appreciate that. Um, this week has to be to um, uh, the big homie, um, Nipsey Hussle. You know, God bless him. May he rise in power. Uh, so I definitely want to recognize him this week for sure. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, it's a tough situation. It hurts. hurts. Yep. Uh, so first question I always start with is, can mm. you just give me a standard or a principle, um, just one, that you try to live by and apply in the way you move through the world? Mm, a principle. Or standard? Yeah, standard. Um, I try to stick to, hold on, before I just jump on out there, let me think of something <laughs> worth saying. So I would have to say whatever my principle would be after, I would say a practice, mm. a practice. It's more broad than just a principle, but mm-hmm. a practice. Um, Ted Nahan, um, for those who don't know, was nominated by Dr. Martin Luther King for a Nobel Peace Prize. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a Buddhist monk and brought um, his practice to the West. And so um, Ted, the Ted Nahan tradition um, of Buddhism lately is what's been um, resonating with me. So I'll say that practice is something that I try to keep in mind in my daily routines and engagements nowadays. All right. All right. Is there any particular features of that practice that you think um, are really important to you or just show up or would be something just to give people a nugget of, like, what that means? Sure. Um, so essentially, if we just broke it down to a simplest form, he just uh, it would be a practice of returning to one's breath um, to just break it down so that whatever we're doing, whatever we're engaging in, we're doing it from a conscious space versus just going through the routines. And that's kind of how mistakes happen. That's how, you know, on certain levels trauma occurs um, because we're just not mindful. We're not present in the moment. And so, uh, you know, a daily practice, for example, I'll keep, I have to mute my phone. I would keep my, uh, um, an app on my phone and there's a bell that'll ring maybe twice an hour. And so it's just my practice when I hear that bell or whatever I'm doing, you know, unless I'm driving or something, it's just stop what I'm doing, take a, take a few breaths, and usually it allows me to re-engage in what I'm doing in a more focused way. All right. All right. Is there any um, particular story or just an anecdote about how you got to the place where you picked this up for yourself? Sure. Um, there's definitely a story, um, and it... It involves my current wife. Okay. Um, she's she's the one who introduced me to the practice. But honestly, I was already, um, you know, I'm, <clears throat> um, I was raised Christian. So the great thing about the practice is that it doesn't pull you away from whatever you may have been previously doing. It should enhance whatever mm-hmm. that okay. should be. Um, and so when I met my wife in graduate school, she was going to a retreat with this Buddhist monk, Ted Nahan, that was coming here to his uh, his monastery in San Diego. And so she invited me to go. And the way in which she invited me was kind of kind of mafia style, like it's an invitation, but if you decline, you know. <laughs> right, it's, it's, it's right, <laughs> I just like, had, 
Yeah, I mean, you can say no if you want to. If you want to. I mean, and so you all got choices to make in you life. Know, <laughs> being from where I'm from, I picked up on that, and so I accepted it. And right. uh, it was a jump, but it definitely was a journey. I got to, you know, kind of study at his, as, at his feet, as they say, mm-hmm. and I've been doing it for years now. All right, that's peace. Um, I'm glad you had that, because um, I think in our community, where Buddhism shows up for folks, I don't, I don't know if folks are... Uh, Always plugged in. I mean, in terms of the, even accessing those, 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 those the, that body of knowledge. You know what I'm saying? Is uh, I don't. And I, I had a, a a family, a friend I grew up with, and their family was Buddhist, and so I was like a little bit exposed to it. And then like you know, you know, those of us these that grew up a certain age with the martial arts flicks and all that. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of like Buddhist concepts within those those movie Eastern genres. Philosophy. You know what I'm saying? Eastern philosophy. You know, those not all of it, but some of it. Mm-hmm. And then. But then, you know, you get to a certain point and it'd be like, you know, people don't, they, they might have a lot of commentary about Buddhism, but they don't actually, they don't know nothing about it's none a, of it. Uh, there are aspects that are a jump, you know, and for clarity's sake, you know, one is, you know, someone like me is an aspirant, which means I haven't taken what in my tradition would be the five mile fitness trainings that would actually, you know, where I would, I would personally consider myself to be a Buddhist. I okay. would say that I'm an aspirant now. So, um, but with that being said, um, it wasn't until I got more into my indigenous cultural roots, you know, in Africa that I began to become more aware and um, where, you know, Buddhism didn't become such a jump for me. So when I saw in, when I began to just realize, and I, I don't want to speak for everybody, this is for my personal journey. <laughs> That's peace. <laughs> this, your, this, your, this your moment, In baby. my personal journey, uh, I mentioned to my grandma, I was, I was uh, trying to, you know, be vegetarian and and she just rolled her eyes because she's 90 something right and she's Mm -hmm. like okay I've been doing meat you know and now you found something better but anyway um, so I just realized how my ancestors used to live and aspired to live and when I got more into that then the practice of Buddhism didn't seem so far it just Eastern Mm -hmm. philosophy it all kind of just seemed to go you know go together it just all all seemed to meet yeah and there's definitely the um, when when one takes the time to study and learn these things, the the importance of the present, I mean, um, breath, <laughs> you know, being mindful of your circumstance, your situation, and, and uh, what have you, that, that that actually isn't a foreign concept to us. It's something, and it's some some of it is stuff that we, you know, we 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 still were doing, you know, and cloaked under other things or in other ways, and then you know, so at least far as my own path and accessing some of that, I, I, I studied. A fair amount of stuff, um, you know, because my undergrad, I kind of had a professor that I really enjoyed her classes, and she taught a lot of the stuff around, uh, like, Confucius. Mm-hmm. And so not just Buddhist, Eastern mm-hmm. teachings. Mm-hmm. And so then merging that with, like, studying, you know, the Bible and the Quran, these other things. It was like, okay, I, I see this. Uh, there's, there's some correlations. Yeah, there's some connections here. So these aren't, you know, you know maybe what you see on TV, it, it may... Is not what you know what what it is. These <laughs> so, basic tenets, I think you'll find in, mo- in a lot of our cultures, they just might be expressed differently. Yeah, yes, sir, yes, sir. So, uh, second one: relationships broadly defined. Mm. Um, is there something that you uh, understand or do now that you may have done differently when you were a younger man? Absolutely. <laughs> You know, um, I would probably say if I had to narrow it down, I mean, there's quite a few things now that I do differently than I would have when I was a younger man. But I try to value um, 
I try to value, as you relate to relationships, I try to value everyone that comes in my life for whatever reason or whatever, however amount of time it is. Whereas before, you know, it was more results oriented. I'm trying to get to where I'm trying to get to. Um, and you know, just a mentality and at times then a lot of it was just different, but nowadays, uh, I try to, um, being present in the moment, I try to value whatever lesson, whatever, you know what I mean? With whoever I'm engaged yeah. with and, and try to, uh, take from it, whatever, whatever is trying you know, uh, being delivered to me. And so I just try to be more mindful in my engagements nowadays, whereas before, um, I was just in a completely different mindset. And I'll just, I'll leave that part there. <laughs> leave that there. I'll, just, I'll just leave that there. There's been some evolution. Yeah, okay, okay. I mean, I mean if I can, I'm going to reflect back and you let me know if I'm on the right path. You got it. I mean, it sounds like definitely the um, the piece that you're important because of what you can help me do. Maybe more so you're important just because, you know, you're important. <laughs> if I'm, you know, on the path. You know, let me know if I'm on the path. You you are on the path, and you know between and and honestly, just in regards to the subject matter that we that we talk about, when you're between the ages of say just as six twenty sixteen and twenty five, you mm-hmm. know there's just different pressures, you know. So whether you're trying to survive a situation, you know whether you're trying to you know whether you know you're the only black kid in a, in an all white college, or you know so depending on what the circumstances are, I've just finally been blessed to get to a stage in life to where I'm able to take a moment, you know. So part of it was me, you know, tripping. Mm-hmm. And then the other part was, you know, I just had to get through those moments. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, it was a blessing and a curse. But, you know, I'm here to tell the story. And uh, the main thing is that I learned something from it. And, you know, yeah. I'm trying to be better every day. Indeed. Yeah, and I think we all, um, I think we all, I mean, it's, I mean, it's developmental psychology to tell you that. We all in that, in, in, in one, it doesn't stop. You you keep having developmental stages as you as you age. Preach, um, but in that that early part of your life, you can, um, depending on whatever your circumstances are, you can make a lot of choices mm-hmm. that seem like the best choices mm-hmm. and the only choices. Mm-hmm. I mean, then later you go, oh man, mm-hmm. I had all these other choices. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about those choices. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and it's just that's just I mean that's the nature of it. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, you know, the hope is that you get through that time and you get to the next the next phase uh, and hopefully not too scarred as I like to say. Right. Um, exactly. Eloquently stated. All right. Um, so third question and we'll meander a little bit. We'll sure. Get this one. Um, what's just something that's really important for you right now in your life? Just like something that's really important and present. Um, that's a great question. Um, I would say <clears throat> one thing that's ever present is a family. You know, I'm, um, fairly new father. I've got a, a six-year-old, three-year-old twins. My wife, you know, it's just us out here in the Pacific Northwest. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we, we ride together, you know, so mm-hmm. that's my unit. So everything uh, uh, evolves around them. And then second is my book. Um, I just wrote a book. Uh, excuse me. I haven't just wrote, written a book, but I did a second edition to the book. Oh. And so I've been knee deep in edits for okay. the past, you know, quarter Right. Month or two, and so um, that that's what's ever present on my mind. I can't wait for this process to be done this spring, so I can celebrate <laughs> it. So tell me a little bit about what, what, what we about the book. Uh, so the book folks is, should know what you're doing. They should know what you what you're working with. I appreciate it. Um, the title of the book is "Best Practices in Community Conscious Policing: A Reflection on Law Enforcement Community Building Workshops." 
so I first wrote the book in 2016, shortly after the state of emergency in Ferguson, Missouri. You know, those may remember when uh, Michael Brown was killed by uh, an officer uh, there in, in uh, St. Louis and national protests that erupted since then. And so this was, uh, the book was um, my response. And since then, I've been able to kind of go around the country, glean best practices from all types of different perspectives and then bring it together in this and this uh, educational resource. So I'm extremely happy about it, but I've been working on it for some time. So, All right. Now, I know you do some, um, some training and, and consulting around that work. Uh, is there anything going through the process of, you know, writing the book, getting it out into the world, but then also the, the consulting and other work that goes with it? Is there anything that you learned in that process that, you, um, that surprised you? Yes, a lot of surprises. And that's why I think I try to grow in compassion every day because I don't know it all. The more that I the more that I learn, I realize the more I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um so when I first began this journey, I was, you know, I'm someone who has won a lawsuit against the police for police misconduct. Um I've worked as an advocate as the NAACP legal redress chairman. But I've also, you know, lately worked with law enforcement who have, are really working their hardest, you know, to do their best in under pressure circumstances. And so um, learning from different lenses, you know, speaking to mothers who have lost, you know, kids, perspectives we don't often hear, you know, whether it's from community members who um, identify as um, trans or non, non-binary stories that don't make it to the papers, mm-hmm. you know, researching the book and, and, and even seeing, you know, speaking about men and patriarchy and healthy masculinity, the difficulty even to even find the research on on how many women, you know, depending on their background, what, you know, uh, which race or women, how to find out how many of them have been impacted or killed by law enforcement. So even the statistics, mm-hmm. you can see bias. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've, I've learned an incredible, incredible amount. And that's why I kind of felt the need to follow through with the story and get it published. Is there um, any particular, like a nugget maybe you could share just from, you know, some of the work that, that maybe like a teaser, so to speak, to give people to, 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 to follow up? Because I always encourage people, is you want to learn more, go buy the whole book and read it. <laughs> but maybe a nugget or a thought, something that you would want to share about the process or about what you, what's in there. I think the main thing that the book culminates first is uh, it's told, even though it's an educational resource, it's told from the perspective of a community, a community member with lived experience of being racially profiled, um, but also the educational professional experience to kind of uh, evaluate it. And so I think it begins with the real life experience of me being an educator at a university and uh, there being a hate crime on campus. Okay. And the hate crime occurring during the time when there were all of these different um, um, videos of Swirling. folks being yeah. killed, right, yeah. on camera. And so the trauma that activated from that. And so uh, it's a real-life story, um, but it culminates in recommendations, and that's the cool part about it. So whether your thing is legislation, whether it's research, whatever your uh, connection is to this theme of police community relations, I think there's going to be something in here um, for you to help you do, do your job a little bit even better. All right. 
So, in my experience, um, one of the most challenging area issues around working is probably the last one on this particular subject. We move to some other things. Um, is the because there's a difference between like talking about and like advocating the point on a particular social issue, right? Like wanting to make sure something gets acknowledged, right? It's different than changing a practice or, a, or or the way stuff happens, right? And I find, and you let me know if you if you've ever experienced this, that sometimes when you when you're moving in these circles, you find where folks, um, and and not unjustly or wrongly. They're just they're they're in this advocacy part where it's like I just want people to know and be aware, right? And then there's a conflict with the like, well, what do we do part over here? This practice part and how we're going to change it, um, or how or what should we do differently, or or then and then other things you learn when you're trying to change practice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that something that that's that mushrooms out into other parts of our lives. That's why I always mm-hmm. try to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Is there any? Um, Nuggets that you could share about how you um, would encourage people to, to to embrace the advocacy piece, but start to, to tap into that. What do we do practice wise piece? Is there anything you can think of? Absolutely. Um, so I'm, it's a great point. I'm glad you brought it up. So I would say the best thing that we help we support folks to do is is um, is reevaluate their approach to problem solving. Mm-hmm. So how we used to solve problems back in the day, um, it just doesn't. So, for example, um, motivation. <clears throat> if I wanted someone to, um, let's say, build cars faster, they put doors on a car. And I want them to do it faster so I can get more cars. Mm-hmm. Then I incentivize them with more money. That works. But if I want them to solve a problem like racism or global warming or uh, that an answer that is that needs to be created, Mm -hmm. then that same level of motivation is going to narrow their focus and they're going to actually probably do the job slower. And so this is Danny P. You can go find it. Mm -hmm. So we try to uh, help folks change their approach to problem solving. So right now everything is intellectual. And what we have found through our training is that that's not where a shift takes place. And so that's why we inserted conscious, Mm -hmm. for example, using community conscious policing. So um, the conscious space is where we decide what's right and wrong that's where we become motivated to make a shift, and that is only the really space where something like that will be sustained. Uh, and so we can go deeper into that, but um, that's the difference. We don't take an intellectual approach to try to change someone's thinking like implicit bias because yeah. it's been proven that that doesn't correlate to someone's behavior. Mm. Only in a conscious space will that shift take place. Yeah. Oh, so Pacific Northwest, you know, you're— Still relatively new to this part of the country. Still paying dues. Still. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, is there something that you, like being here, that maybe made you think differently about other places that you've been or something that you might have missed at other places, you know, in that level? Like, since you've been here, you're like, wow, I didn't, you know, I didn't think about that then. Like, anything that generates there. I will say that there's aspects of the Pacific Northwest that I appreciate that, um, you know, when I go other places, I notice, and it can mm-hmm. be basic, right? Just like my tap water. Got really good tap water at my house. Um, you know, I don't have a, a really large home, but I've got 
three trees back, three, four huge trees. So, I mean, my, my air is fresh. So, uh, you know, there are things that I notice for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as what I appreciate about being here is uh, it's just my nuclear family. Mm-hmm. And I'm someone who grew up with my grandparents three or four generations around. Um, and it's a, that's a beautiful thing, and I, I want that for my children. Um, but um, we've really had to establish roots here, and we've really had to reach out to folks like you, other families uh, who have held us down. And so, um, you know, I didn't really know it before coming here, but this is a place where you're going to sink or to swim. Mm. And we've been fortunate enough to be swimming, you know, yeah. so far. So, yes, sir. Yeah. yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, I mean, I think, it's, I mean, I'm my, You've had, I know you've had more moves, I think, mm-hmm. from us talking in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms, you know, I went to New Jersey, Pittsburgh, to here. You know what I mean? I just jumped. I did one little, little did a skipper, mm-hmm. little skip, skip the rock. Right, I did right. 300 miles, then I just jumped <laughs> all that, everything else. Um, but it, it is something I, I think about sometimes in terms of um, just the way there's some things and facets of being black that are like okay like yeah it's black black people do this black people do that like okay you know that's pretty common like we're on the same page and then there's always there's you know there's nuance and there's there's different flavors mm-hmm. you know, diff- different approaches um and every every place i've lived in the united states and other places that i've and visited um you know they all have their unique, unique style mm-hmm. um and you know part of my joy or fun about doing this here is you know i get to talk to sometimes folks that are from here and i can talk to people that are that are here that are you know aren't from here and the 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 feeling of sort of the distance from the rest of the country mm-hmm. you know and, isolation and, yeah i mean that it, it's it 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 gets hard to not be aware of it. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, and, and uh, so I always think, you know, even while it's a beautiful state physically, mm-hmm. you know, you get like that, like, hey, it is actually like, yeah, it's like 800 miles to mm-hmm. to the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Seattle's Seven only 150, hours. but that's Seven like, hours. it's like if, mm-hmm. you know, Seattle, we're close, Seattle's closest neighbor, Portland, and Portland, you know, and they're like, we are each other's closest kind that's of right. bigger city area. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be. Um, as a person that has, has has made a lot of transitions, what do you mm-hmm. think would be something that you would impart to someone else? Is just a a lesson or something to take with you so that you that you can transition better. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's a great question. I've traveled. Uh, so I'm from the Bay, but uh, so everyone probably has seen by now the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That's how I sum up my story. I started in Oakland. I moved when I was 16 to um, the Woodlands, Texas, right outside of Houston, with my aunt and uncle, two younger cousins, et cetera. Um, and from there, I studied Spanish. So I traveled to uh, Spain, Cuba, Mexico, lived with families there, um, Puerto Rico, uh, Japan. I didn't I didn't stay there, but I, I visited. Um, and then in the States, uh, teaching at Oregon State University, University of Delaware, University of San Diego um, and, and Portland Community College. So Oregon is is unique in the sense that in everywhere I've gone in the country, I've been able to have a quote unquote black connection. I'm in historically black fraternities. I'm a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, uh, the Order of uh, Prince Hall Freemasonry. So 
the beautiful thing is those rites of passage that exist before us is where I've been able to plug in wherever mm -hmm. I go. And so that's the beautiful thing. And the Cap Alpha Psi in particular was founded in, a, in, a, in Indiana where it was 33% registered Klan members. So it's, it's spaces like this where we've learned to thrive. So that's been helpful. But the Pacific Northwest is different because we're in such a minority. And then Oregon having the element of state-based discrimination uh, you know, when you go back to Vanport and, and, and the, the history behind it, it, there is such an isolation here uh, and such, such a competition mm -hmm. here um, that what I would say is um, if you study the, you know, um, if you study the data on happiness and if you expect to come here to a place that rains as much as it does compared to someone like me from California that is, uh, you know, doesn't have as many sunny days as I'm used to coming from California, uh, you have to consider the weather. But more importantly, utilizing technology to maintain those bonds that have helped you get to where you are. So, you know, using your phone, not for the, necessarily the Facebook, uh, but or, or, or uh, the social media that might cause you depression when it's dark outside at 5 <laughs> o'clock, but using it to FaceTime with some folks back home to give you that genuine connection that you might not otherwise get. Because it may be, you know how it is when it gets dark, man. You might not see your neighbor for three, four months. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's, uh, it, gets, it gets real. It gets the... Uh... But the snow is good, and I love to ski, so sometimes it's worth it. You know? <laughs> I didn't get to go... We usually go at least once or twice with the cross country. I don't do the downhill. You do the downhill thing? What you, what you, you hardcore if you do cross country. You hardcore that, if you're doing that downhill. That, yeah, that terrifies yeah, me, man. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Oh, I'm up there. Oh, man, good I'm for you. There. I did yeah. the um, snowboarding once, and I kind of, I was like, I could I could come back up here and do this right. one again. But right. but the downhill skiing, it's the, the stopping. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got a lot of momentum. I'm a, I'm a big man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I the one thing I can guarantee you, you're going to stop. Oh, I know. It's just a matter of when and how. <laughs> Listen, going, uh, so we do uh, the little, um, what's it, teacup, which is near yeah. Mount Hood Meadows with the, with the um, cross country. And there's there's a little hill that's like a little, zoo, like a little zip. And my son, he said, we, we go in there, little, my son, he's, he's having right. fun. He's like, yay, I, I did it one time. Like, I will never do this again. <laughs> I, I just because I was coming around, I was like, I was where I was gonna turn, and you know, they're like, oh, well, lean like this on the that's skates, right. and I was like, oh, that's gonna work, man. And you know, and then I realized you really gotta trust it, you really gotta lean into it, because if you half lean into it, it don't work. You know what I mean? Which is a like a life lesson there. There's a life lesson there. And skiing, I'm a swimmer too. In those sports, there's just no. Uh, that's right. It's gonna trim the fat when it comes to that breath or, yeah. or that skiing. That's right. It's, it's oh, yeah. either all the way or no way. Or, I didn't know you swim. I, uh, I like to swim. I was a what do you call it? Uh, well, I basically swam, you know, like we had pools in the town I grew up in. And so we had little, like, swim teams. And I swam these till, till the pool closed. When I was, like, 12, the pool closed. So I have, I have a team no more. But up till then, I was out here. I got, you know, gills, breaststroke, freestyle, all that. Man, I think that's a beautiful thing for our, our uh you know, our young kids coming up, I wish it was more opportunities for the, for them to learn how to swim. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, all right, all right. Um, one other, I have one other Pacific Northwest question. Um, doing on time. All right, good money. Um, you talked about the water, about the breath. Oh, okay, wait. Now I remember what it was. Uh, connecting, right, and using technology because I think that's um something that we can do um better. Mm -hmm. You know, the same way. 
you know, and, and I when you were, when you were talking earlier about um, you know the videos and when every time something violent happens that people share it. Now, that's that right. I, that's right. It, I, I I cringe at that because I feel like it's like we're we're supporting our own sort of negative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're feeding ourselves this this negativity mm-hmm. back. You know I mean on on the, on the I'm letting everybody know to make sure they see it mm-hmm. right. But then it's like you really probably if you just told me what happened, right? I ain't need to see it, man. Yeah. Like I mean, I saw it once. I don't want to see it three mm-hmm. four times. Um, is there anything that you would like to see that you think could, um, in terms of using technology, using tools like these that we could use to to, to build more community with each other, especially as black men? Like, how can we? Because like I mean, you, you mm-hmm. poke to like you're a part of a couple different the right to pass. It's kind of structured mm-hmm. networks, right? Mm-hmm. They're people relationship based networks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always worry that some of our network systems aren't keeping up. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, so I would like your mm-hmm. your thought and then we'll have a, another round of questions. No, that's a great, great question. Um, you know, I actually think, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of like the, the, the young dude in the old clique. So in, in all of my, wherever I've lived, I've always been the young cat with the older guys. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and it's good, good and bad. It comes with that, I guess. Uh, but, but by, I'm saying that because, Technology is something that we definitely have to incorporate. Um, you know, I just got this little commercial break. I'm not going to forget the question. This came mm-hmm. back from Atlanta. Okay. Uh, celebrating our 20th anniversary, initiating the cap outside with uh, my line brothers. And the first day there, um, just recognizing the beautiful, all the beautiful black people and ways in which we express ourselves and the different levels in which it was just a wonderful, you know, uh, setting to be in after being in Pacific Northwest for a few years. But the first conversation I had was with the engineer um, talking about smart cities mm-hmm. and our cars and how they're going to be able to build centers so the cars can talk to each other. So Tesla right now, you mm-hmm. know, you can, it's its own car, but now they'll be able to talk to each other. The light will be able to talk to it and yeah. won't need all these beautiful things. When we don't have to worry about racism and uh, and the isolation keeping us away and just our mental health, and we don't have to spend so much time focusing on the trauma and this and that, those are the things that emerge, all of this beautiful futuristic mm-hmm. opportunity. And it was like, man, how much time am I spending on all of this just trying to survive out here, kind of being isolated? And what would I be doing with that time if I was somewhere else where I really wasn't um, so pressing? Mm. Um so it was just a, a, a mental note, and um, but in regards to technology and relationships, quite honestly, I think it gets in the way. So mm-hmm. what I mean by that is when I see my younger brothers coming up who are more tech savvy, um, I didn't get to go to YouTube and, and press play. I had to go read those books. Mm-hmm. When I came up, you couldn't just go ask a, uh, an, an old head with respect, you know, using your name, an old head, uh, and just say, yo, can I read that book? You had to go to that person's house, probably have dinner with them, and read the book at their house. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just going to let you go. And, you, and from there, you had to build with it. If if you had an engagement with somebody, the next time you saw that person, they expected you to retain that and have something to add to it. So quite honestly, I, I think that it's more of a how do we provide times and spaces where we can just convene without the technology mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. just and see what emerges. All right. I like that. I'm, not, I'm just going to let that ride because I'm with that. I think it's um, man, yeah. I think um, I mean, I guess we'll add one thing. Is because something that's been on my mind um, 
is what are ways that we could create, you know, the concept or the space of sanctuary. You know what I mean? Like what, mm-hmm. you know, because sometimes in our community, um, and sometimes depending on our, you know, our relationship to some of our, our, our traditional religious institutions, um, even if some of us may be adherents to some of those values, like we may not go to the church, we may mm-hmm. not go to the mosque, we may not go to the temple, uh, we may not go to to the ciphers, the other thing, but we still hold mm-hmm. these values. Um, and then we have these other places that become de facto sort of like this is our place to be with, be with myself or be with mine. So it's a bar or it's a certain restaurant or a certain, you know what I mean, or maybe it's a relative's house. You know what I mean? They go to grandma's house, go, you know, you can always go to her house and just be chilling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But what is a way that we can ensure we're intentional, intentional mm. about like, you know, yeah, this is a spot where, mm. you know, you, you need some quiet and you want to be with a brother, be with some brothers or whatever or some sisters or whoever. Or you can go here and you can be there and, and Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Deal with your thoughts or be quiet, do do, do nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As I love to say, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like, um, it's just a nugget that I I want to make sure it's out there for people mm-hmm. to be mindful about. Because I think that to me, reflecting what you're saying, what you mm-hmm. added on there is that um, not to mistake sharing time with people for like connecting with people, mm-hmm. I guess. Maybe mm-hmm. my other Eloquently stated. Word up, word up. So I'm gonna get us out of here on on this. And this is the question I've been my end of the question question for the last couple of episodes. Can you think of a either you know maybe something from movies or music, um, but something that maybe you felt one way about mm. it? You know when you saw that when you were younger in the past, mm. um, and that could be the recent past. And now looking at it now, you go hmm, that you know either maybe it's something's different about it or something the way it hits you is different than you remember when you saw it the first time. Mm. That's a great. Um, for the sake of time, I'm not going to talk about religion or politics. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll take something. Um, you know, what really was on my heart this week was Nipsey. Man, being from California, you know, I didn't know him. Uh, I'm not from LA. I'm from Oakland. Um, but that was heavy on my chest. You know, and a lot of and the world. You know, this week. And it was a blessing being an entrepreneur because I was able to just shut down that day, you know, tune in to the celebration and and just kind of pay my own personal respect. So, you know, for our generation, at least for me, it was Pac. It was Tupac, you know, Tupac and Biggie. And so that's the close thing that I could relate. And uh, what someone like Tupac meant, you know, so for someone like me coming up out of Oakland, uh, even though I came from way more privileged circumstances than he did, he still spoke to a struggle that I could identify with mm-hmm. uh, coming from where he came from and me coming under some of some big homies that he had. You know, there were some things that definitely weren't in alignment. And so, you know, the way I felt, um, you know, just maybe using Tupac as a symbol, whatever he meant or stood for, you know, for those who are listening, um, I have different perspectives as I get older. You know, they're all positive, but they just, you know, on deeper levels. And someone like Nipsey just kind of, um, you know, Pac had a vision that was doing a lot. And this from my humble perspective, because everybody has their connection that I that I want to respect. Um, but it was so tragic because, number one, we didn't get to have a public celebration of mm. his life. And mm. even though they had a private one, and uh, he didn't quite get to his mission, as those closest to him spoke about it. Nipsey was living his and so uh, it just put some perspective and I felt like even though it's tragic um, it demonstrated some progress so I'll just kind of leave that there word, word. yeah, yeah well, thank you man I appreciate it I appreciate you man it's always a pleasure to build and uh, last thing I definitely want to say is uh, on a personal note uh, 
your family has been very supportive of uh, mine and and uh, and and uh, and um, you know our struggle to make the Pacific Northwest work. And like I said, we've been swimming, not sinking, and it's because of brothers like you. And uh, just keep doing what you're doing. And I just want to tell you, thank you, man. Oh, man, get me up in here, blubbering, man. We was talking about that earlier. Get me up in here with the with the streams. So appreciate it, appreciate it. I mean, um, as I as I would say, I would want I would want someone to share the way, you know, I try to share the way I would want somebody to share with me. And um and you know, but that's that's a whole deeper concept. And so I'm gonna just say two things. One, thank you for joining me, Brandon. I appreciate you. I appreciate your wisdom and uh, what you came to add on and also let you know I'd love to have you on again. And that's part of the, the love of the show is to get you back on another time when we can we can maybe meander in some of them deeper concepts in a, in a future episode. Whatever I can do. Uh, if you want to find out more, t for t Appreciate you having me, loved one. All right. Peace. This has been the Ash Your Old Head Podcast with Justice Raji. Thank you for listening. Peace.